Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Commission podcast series, Bald Move. We've got another one today that is uh, excellent, truly excellent. It's one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, got to thank Jefferson Betmerick very much for uh, giving us a choice here. He gave us a choice of a couple of really awesome movies. Yeah, this is a trend. Like I, It's, it's agonizing, man. <laughs> tell us what the, tell us what you want, goddammit. So he said I don't want this responsibility. I want you to do either the Matrix or Heat. How do you choose between those two movies? I'll tell you how I chose. I've got like when the one that I've seen a thousand times I sure. went with. The one that I've seen once I decided not to go sure. with. Sure. Like if if someone told me you have already talked to Jim for twenty hours about the Matrix <laughs> trilogy, I'd be like I that might even be low. We have spent a lot of time talking about the Matrix series, Mm -hmm. Uh, both when we first saw it and then years later. It's it's incredible. I mean, is it is it a truly great film? I kind of feel like it is like in the same way that Star Wars is truly great. You know, I you can't mention it with the Godfather shit like that, but it's still like, fuck you. It's a great movie. Sure, and I think you know, going back to it, sixteen years later, this movie was released in ninety nine. Yep. Uh, coming back sixteen years later, it feels like most of it holds up, and I, I thought think, it held up like a champ. It, yeah, surprisingly, for an action and effects oriented film, and we're going to talk that's about rare ways. I think that they were smart about doing going about the way they did things. Yeah, and, and some ways in which it falls flat, but sure. um, for the most part, I think it held up, and I, I feel like. Judging this film as, you know, I was 17 years old when this thing came out. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this for the first time, there were things in there that I hadn't even understood you could ask questions about. Sure. You know, like this idea of the Matrix was a brand new concept for me. Yeah. Um, and sure, it's been written about before. Yeah. Uh, I didn't I think a guy do named a whole Plato lot of reading. Had a uh, had some ideas about it. <laughs> once upon a yeah, time. there's the stuff in the cave. Absolutely. I mean, all of that stuff is tied in here but this was the first time i was introduced to it and so it fucking blew my mind yeah and it's another one of those rare films where when i see it i saw it at the theater um and i was you weren't supposed to i wasn't supposed to i know i i i snuck out and saw this theater uh as as a grown-ass man that lived in my own house (laughs) uh had to sneak out to see a rated r i saw it twice in this in the same week nice like i uh and I just thought it was, I mean, I I came out of that movie wanting to beat someone up. Like, there's a couple of movies that are just so fucking cool that it just (laughs) just gives you the shot of adrenaline and you just want to, you want to go out and brawl with a bunch of agents. Yeah. uh, And fly helicopters and and no kung fu. And it's still, like, there's still, like, some really visceral thrills to Mm -hmm. enjoy in this this film. Like, the, the fights still really hold up. They're incredible. Uh, I was in the same boat as you. I went and saw this with, surprisingly, a group of people who were not supposed to see this movie. It, somehow, I know a group you ran with that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> it, it wasn't even that group. Well, it, it was a lot of that group. Um, but it was a lot of the group that you wouldn't suspect would be watching a movie like this. Yeah. Like, oh, I that's rem- the thing. This was such a phenomenon back in the day. Like, yeah. you heard about this movie, and everyone was saying you have to see it. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of a single person who didn't love this movie. Well, it's funny because we talked about it where we're watching it about our our buddy the Laugh Man. Yeah, and how because he was the straightest of straight laced Jehovah's Witness youths. Mm-hmm. Like he really was the archetype of lived with this. Like he was in his late twenties, 
never had a girlfriend, yeah. lived with his parents, waved to his mom goodbye as he drove <laughs> down their long ass country driveway until she uh, couldn't see him every fucking time, every fucking time. Uh, and I, because he was this big science fiction fan, I begged him, I'm like, dude. You should see this movie. I was like full on. I was the devil on his shoulder. Like there's no nudity. There's yeah. like very little graphic violence. Very little I, language. No, I don't even think they say the word fuck. I don't think so. They do flip somebody so. off. Yeah. Had the rated R. He will not see a rated R movie. But Crazy. yeah, it, it broke a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, half the people there who went and saw it with, with my group probably would not have seen any other rated R movie uh-huh. at the time. But it, it's like. The the advertising campaign was brilliant too, because they showed all these fantastic things and all these, these mundane effects. things, and yeah. you, you're like, "Is this a superhero film? Is this yeah, like yeah, a yeah. trippy, you know, serpent in a rainbow type of thing going on? Like, what the hell?" And and it manages to keep that suspense through the first third of the movie. That's that's what I feel like. You know, you can't show in a preview. You don't want to be showing what the Matrix is until you need to be. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, why are you watching that movie? <laughs> I yeah. don't want to see that in the preview. I mean, it's it's funny because the it's got one of the most memorable twists in in movie history as far as its yeah. premise. But then it also doesn't rely on that. Like it's a genuinely entertaining film uh that you can come back to again and again and again. Yeah, and I feel like going into this, if you know the twist, if you know that the Matrix is what the Matrix is, then it takes away the enjoyment of the first part of the movie, which I feel is the confusion, right? Yeah. Like we're supposed to you, be in Neo's shoes yeah. going, what the fuck am I, what is going on here? It just doesn't work that well. How do well these people know where everything is? Yep. How are these people running up walls and jumping across buildings? I don't fucking get it. This is bizarre. You need to feel that just like Neo does at the beginning. Agreed. Agreed. And like, I'm not a bit, you know, I don't really care about spoilers, but man, I. There's a couple films, like A Sixth Sense is one of them. The yeah. Matrix is another where I would be super bummed out if that was spoiled because the the I think The Matrix is fine. Like it rewards multiple watchings and stuff. But oh, yeah. like the feeling of the same thing with Game of Thrones, you know, like some of its big moments, like uh, it would yeah. suck to have those spoiled because you only get to kind of feel that you don't get to feel that way very many times in any kind of media. True. And a few times where you, they, you do get to get, you know, sucker punched, I think you should enjoy them. I agree. And this is one of those those ultimate times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what were you thinking? Like, you go into this theater and you're seeing this for the first time. Trinity's running up the walls. Uh, she's jumping in the air while the camera spins around her Which and she you, freezes. Yeah, that bullet time stuff first was use so it. incredible. And it's still, again, like, some of the things... Um, you know, I remember like being a pretty big fan of the the Charlie's Angels remake with Drew okay. Barrymore and all that, uh, and they used a lot of this stuff too. When you go back and rewatch that movie, a lot of it's really fucking trite and tedious. Like it's like, yeah, man, this is really showy and drawing attention to itself in a way that I don't feel the Matrix does, even though it was the thing that started the cliche. I don't know why it gets away with with it, honestly. I mean, it is the thing that started it. So there's that, right? Like everything that came after this, like movies. What was the fucking movie? Uh, and these were things that we've the, that people the have been scream, doing. In, yeah, the scream uh, farce uh, parody, Scary whatever movie. it is. Scary movie did this shit, right? Uh-huh. Like 
it got so overused after this that you couldn't ever view it the same way. But having that first experience seeing this was yeah. amazing. And I think it fits in a way that didn't seem like it was showing, in a way that even the Matrix successors, the Reloaded and yeah. and Revolutions, starts to feel victim of the Char- Charlie's Angelsification of the effect. It's like, well, we yeah. did this. How do we top it? And sometimes it works. Like, there's a couple of stuff that I, in all the Matrix movies, I there's not, I don't think they're terrible films start to finish. And I'm a really big fan of the second one. Yeah, the third one's a mess, and I <laughs> and, and we can talk about that maybe at the end, like just real briefly. Okay, what the Matrix trilogy did to the Matrix, the movie. Uh huh. But yeah, I, I feel like. But that, you're right. There are moments like big, big scenes, like the truck scene in Reloaded, uh, yeah. the highway scene, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, those those feel kind of effortless in the same way that the first movie feels. Sure. Uh, and I don't know if it's just the cause of having not seen that stuff before, or yeah, it was. It felt like a, a genuine raising of the stakes to serve a narrative pur- purpose. Yeah, yeah. whereas and then that's what the all of the Matrix like when we saw crazy shit, it was partially to expose Neo to it, uh-huh. partially to expose us to it, and also that's to the make the final act work as such an incredible piece. Like you know, mm-hmm. I feel like you go in, th- you go into that third act thinking that Neo is is not the one. Yeah. And that he's going to have to do some kind of crazy sacrifice to save Morpheus and it might cost him his life. Like, yeah, you know, and and all the effects and cool action stuff that you've seen. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. They really service that, that final portion where it gets ratcheted up yet again. And you're, you're thinking, how can this, how can this final confrontation in the hallway be even half as cool as what I've seen in the lobby and what I've seen, uh, in, even in the dojo, like, those are awesome moments. There are so many awesome moments like that throughout this film yeah. that when you go into the final thing, you're thinking, eh, okay, what can they do to really hook me here? And then they ratchet it up again. Sure. They're, they're, they're flexing the Matrix by the end of this, and Neo has become the one. He doesn't even care, right? Uh-huh. He's like, "What? I'm going to fight you with one hand because it doesn't matter. I'm going to stop these bullets because I'm fucking awesome. Yeah. I now see the world just, behind the world and and yep. interfacing at this level is And we do elementary. too, right? Like that's the moment where the Matrix sure. itself turns into the green code and yeah, everything. Yeah, and like you said, when he jumps in, the Smith takes him over, explodes him, and then he does that flex and it literally <sighs> warps the world around him. It's just so fucking cool. That's a stand-up and cheer moment. Yeah. Like, like few others in cinema history for me. Yeah. And it's probably a consequence of being 17 and seeing this for the first time. Sure. You know? But it's also partially this was the craziest thing anyone had ever seen up to this point. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I wonder, I, I, some, sometimes, you know, uh, I wonder whether our reaction or enthusiasm is exactly as you said, we both had young man brains Yeah, and, you know, we're sex, we're sex nuts and we've <laughs> completely unfamiliar cinematic tropes and sure. You know, a 40 year old man going to see that in 97 would, or like a woman would be rolling their eyes and be like, Oh God. Maybe so. But I don't know. I mean, the success <laughs> of the film seems to belie that. Like that. It seems like it, yeah. I yeah. mean, it was a very successful film. I don't know about the staying power of them, though. Like, What do you mean? I feel like when Star Wars came out, Star Wars remained socially relevant you know, forever. It never really went away. There was, sure. a, there was a smart small period of time where it was more of a niche nerd type of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was – but The Matrix, now that we're 15 years past it, like, it doesn't seem as culturally relevant as 
uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, do people still talk about the Matrix? Yeah. It doesn't seem like they do. And I wonder if that's partially because... The Wachowskis have crapped the bed. Yeah, the Wachowskis went on to do some stuff that was not all that great. Um, And also, you know, the Matrix has not been producing content in that series. You're right. This entire time. Unlike Star Wars, which, you know, had action figures and VHS releases and just like all this stuff that came out. Yeah. Yeah, all the merchandising behind uh, Star Wars kept it in the popular, you know... In the, in the spotlight, I do. I do wonder if that's entirely a consequence of the fact that you know, if if Matrix Reloaded was the Empire Strikes Back to the Matrix, if it took uh-huh. that and just elevated it in every possible way, instead yeah. of just, I feel like Matrix Reloaded was essentially the X Files later seasons. It just kept kicking the interesting questions and and increasing the scope and yeah. the grandeur of those questions and promising the answers. And then Matrix Revolutions came back, and it's like, oh, geez, this is it. We can't actually answer all this stuff. Or <laughs> like, here's the answer, and it's super kind of unsatisfying, which I'm not yeah. even sure if I'm prepared to defend that anymore. Um, about a month before there was a commission, I saw the Matrix Revolutions just huh. with a good five years since I've seen the Matrix the last time. Okay. And just kind of in isolation, and I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't remember why I hated this. Yes, the scenes of the Zion defense were tedious, and they went on far too long. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's necessarily a a crime. Like you could say the same thing about Return of the Jedi, essentially. But With I, the Ewoks. I think sure. that the core, the crucial thing is the second one was not the Empire Strikes Back. You could forgive a weak revolutions, yeah. but the fact that the Matrix was mind blowing and none of the other two really were. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars, you know, Return of the Jedi kind of goes back to the beginning in a way. Yeah, you know, Death Star two. All that stuff. So it's it's kind of satisfying at that base level. Yeah. Of like, yeah, you've seen it before, but it also feels very familiar. And it also feels like I've got all these same characters who I know and love. And they're going to have their adventures. Not not in the same way. Because you weren't expecting everything to be, like, wrapped up in this neat bow at the end of Return of the Jedi, right? Right. You were expecting another romp, another adventure, another... Yeah. And, and uh, I think that adventure in the Star Wars universe, whereas the Matrix, you had huge expectations for. Sure, it. and in, also in the plot. Also, you the Matrix did like I'm trying to think. After Star Wars, you could tell lots more stories about Luke and Han and Leia, and and people yeah. did. After the Matrix, you I could tell I, another Matrix story. <laughs> yeah, the way they set that up is like I maybe it's interesting to see how humans and machines coexist and rebuilding the earth after ending their hostilities if no. that indeed. And I guess there were some really interesting things that happened in the MMORPG okay. version of the Matrix. Enter like, the Matrix, yeah. People said that that was really really cool if you stuck with it and, you know, accepted kind of the poor graphics and the other stuff. The story was really cool. Huh. Um but yeah, where do you go? To, maybe there's some interesting stuff, but like I felt like I didn't really need to know more about. Well, first of all, Neo's dead, and mm-hmm. so is Trinity. So yeah, I, it was much more definitive. And like I guess you could have them as being Neo reborn, or maybe he's still alive in a Matrix. Because there's certainly some hints in that. But the story was over. Yeah, the story was over. There's no other just like you know good guy versus bad guy like. That's the thing. Like, none of the characters in Star Wars are dead at the end of it, right? Sure. Like, we know that there are always going to be bad guys out there for them. Well, to fight. you know, Porkins never forget. Ah, who, who cares? <laughs> uh, but there are going to be other bad guys out there for him for them to fight, and those are the people we cared about, the ones that survived. So that series can live on in them, you know. Whereas, like, yeah, you lose Neo, you lose Trinity, you lose all the characters you care about. Right. 
it doesn't matter if there's another bad guy out there to fight because we don't have any good guys to fight him that we care about. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I wonder if another 15 years will go by and someone will revive it. Or like, Could be. I mean, I would get behind a remake of The Matrix. Like the first movie would be very much like the the original Matrix and then they diverge. Like, like in, in I, I want to take these, this good foundation and I've had 30 years to think about it and I want to do something else with it. I want to take yeah. it in another direction. I almost kind of fear a remake of the original Matrix, though. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't think it's necessary, you know? The, the, the effects okay. are not that much better at this point. Okay. What if they do this? They don't remake the Matrix. They do remake Re- Reloaded. Like, kind of like the same way that... Huh. The the Superman that uh, what's his face made that had the other guy Brandon Roush, the one before oh, yeah, the yeah. new one. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like uh, the way that history works is Superman three and four probably didn't exist. This is just like a spiritual sequel <laughs> to the world that Richard Donner built. Yeah, Superman Returns. Is yeah, that super, that's okay. that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it would work like that, where you just come back and like Reloaded and Revolutions never happened. We are remaking yeah. those two, but the first one's a perfect movie. Why would you know? You'd have to cast it. That's the other thing is Keanu Reeves was really <laughs> perfect for this role. He, he was, yeah. He, you know, his, he got a woe in there. His cluelessness and kind of dopey acting uh-huh. fit this character like a glove. In the same way yeah. that, like, I know you haven't seen it yet, but John Wick is another... Sh- I just added it to my HBO watch list. It, so. It's another movie that really takes maximum advantage of his particular skill set. Cool. Okay. Like Speed. Yeah. Bill and Ted. Those are shit in his wheelhouse. I was reading an article the other day about Keanu Reeves, and, like, he's had a pretty fucking tragic life. Like, yeah, he's had so many horrible things happen to him and come out then the other side as a really cool human being. Every time I see an interview with him and he's done a lot of Reddit AMAs, he seems like a very grounded, genuine, humble, generous person. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen videos of him on the subway. Like, OK, New, you know, Los Angeles, New York City, wherever he's at, he's riding the subway as a multi multi-millionaire. He gives and, and he gets up out of his seat to give people his his chairs on the subway like yeah and on the matrix he famously split his salary uh-huh. with the stunt crew and the production yeah. people he has taken less salary to get other people on board so a, a project can get made like he seems like a really really cool dude and i i mean he's just had a lot of stuff happen to him in his life that i'm surprised he can be as cool as he is i don't know maybe it takes a certain amount of tragedy to, to enable a super famous person to stay grounded like he might be an unsufferable asshole right. minus the yeah. tragedy. If he had just had everything handed to him, yeah, he'd be more expecting of it. Yeah, potentially. What? So I, I want to ask you. You asked me a question during the film about Lawrence Fishburne. Like what you thought was his more recognizable role? Morpheus in the Matrix, or I think this is telling. Whatever character he played in Apocalypse Now, <laughs> <laughs> or what about his uh, street chess mentor role in uh, Search yeah. of Bobby Fischer? Uh-huh. Yep, pretty iconic. I mean, that was good, actually. I really enjoyed him in that. Like, I I don't feel this way about a lot of people in the movie because a lot of movies, uh, the people in the movie are quite literally replaceable. Like Carrie and Moss. Yeah, probably. Uh, the guy who played Tank, and uh, obviously they were replaceable because the Wachowskis decided <laughs> to. He, he tried. The, they big timed. Yeah, Tank, Tank tried the role of Clemenza yeah. uh, on the Wachowskis. And they're like, out. that didn't even fucking work for Clemenza. He's out. And now you are too. Died off screen, motherfucker. Um, 
But I feel like Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus just crushed it, and I can't imagine. He's perfect. I'm like, I, I, you know, who else did you get for that role that is able to convey the badassitude, the like monk like wisdom, the certitude in his convictions, and not come off as smug and insufferable? I don't know, man. Like, there's still I'm enough. The way he plays his belief in Neo has just enough doubt and mania about that doubt. Yeah. Like, when he comes out of the water well, I've, I've always felt like that he's you know pretty sure he, he has faith, but it's, like, not the smug, self-serving faith. It's, like, the faith that still entertains doubt, and that's why it's it's so awesome when he comes out like that. I was initially thinking, like, maybe a Forrest Whitaker could pull it off. He does some roles like that. Um I, it, I'm really reminded, though, in that performance of Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. Hmm. Kind of that, like, loose cannon, mm-hmm. a little unhinged, but yeah. knows what he's talking about also yeah. sort of thing. And he's a leader. He also inspires loyalty yeah. even in, yeah. uh, which I always thought that worked really well, that, like, even though Neo is the one and he's, like, the baddest of ass, he always kind of defers to Morpheus because yeah, he he's got more, that you know? respect He's got experience. For him. Uh, I feel that way about I feel that way about Keanu Reeves as Neo. Like, there's not yeah. a lot of people that could pull that. You know, you put Channing Tatum in that role, and it's a fucking disaster. <laughs> Channing Tatum, uh-huh. or Jason uh, Statham. You put Jason Statham, and it's 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 a fucking disaster. Uh, uh-huh. I'm trying to think who else. Oh, uh, Hugo Weaving as yes. Agent Smith. He's absolutely perfect. This is the movie that unleashed Hugo Weaving onto the world. Like maybe yeah. if you're a Kiwi or an Australian, you were familiar with his work, but I'd never heard of this motherfucker. Me either. And he like, I it's just could use a phone call if you were unable. To his speak. character is like <laughs> one of the instantly recognizable iconic villains of all time. He's like, yes. he's almost in the single movie up there with Vader. Yep. Uh, for me, anyway. Up there with Maximilian from the Black Hole. He's just this implacable foe, but he's also got this really – like, I love how they play him at the end as if he is, like, some kind of deviant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, even the other agents are like – And, you know, he turns out to be one, right? He is, yeah. Like, by the end of the series as a whole, Which he that, is a I will say program. that the whole Agent Smith plot is the one thing, the one note that throughout the series plays fairly true. I thought so. Like even even to the end, yeah. Like I the idea of this kind of sentience within the machine, uh-huh. uh, discovering that maybe they don't even want the machine. Like it's it's really cool, yeah. Uh, and you you start to see pieces of that. And I also wonder if I want. I also wondered if that was part of the control mechanism that sure when a one forms that there's always an agent Smith. Or if the same way that Neo had a certain abilities about him that broke the chain of the Matrixes, if Agent Smith was uh, almost like a chaos theory type Mm. butterfly flap that allowed him to be what he became. Yeah. Like, it it felt like that the machines were not expecting Smith and that he had to be dealt with or everything was going to be lost. It seems like it, yeah. I mean, certainly not in this first. I mean, by film, the end of the movie, but... he 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 took over every human being's conscious on Earth. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't uh, seen Revolutions. But that still won't make a bit of like I don't feel like I've spoiled anything for you. <laughs> the j- journey is very much the the destination in this case. Yeah, it, it's interesting how that kind of ties into the idea that Morpheus espouses in this first 
episode, this first uh, movie about everyone in the Matrix being your enemy at this current moment. Yes. You know, because they can all be Agent Smith. They could all be an agent or part of the system uh-huh. uh, since they are not outside of the system, which I, I think is interesting from the, a, a philosophical and a plot perspective. The other thing about Hugo Weaving I thought is remarkable. There's two things. I'm going to say the one for dead last. All but right. the physicality of his performance, he's a very slight guy. Mm-hmm. But he sells punching through concrete walls and wrecking Neo and doing all the other crazy stuff yeah. really, really well. Like at no point do I ever – am I ever – and I, it's part because I completely buy into the in-universe rules where yes. your size matters not, Yoda. <laughs> but I mean he really does convey that pure raw physicality of this agent but also this super intelligence yeah. and this you know malevolence. That's – kind of hard to do i'm with you he, he's a perfect choice for that role and i i think more importantly like you said the movie sets us up for that right it's not like you could basically buy anybody would you buy like mouse goes in there would you buy that he's a little faster and a little stronger than an average human being no not no okay. no <laughs> all right but i think i but, think but mouse... in the rules of the film yeah, yeah i feel yeah, like yeah. you have to right like if they showed that but I feel like Mouse was the least badass of the crew. Easily, and without a doubt. And that's how he got, like, he didn't even get yeah. his guns up shooting. To, so, like, yeah, but that uh, felt that felt appropriate. Okay. Um, I tell you, what, what's scary is, like, if The Matrix was made five years after it was, Mouse would be casted as Shia LaBeouf. Oh, Jesus, you're right. <laughs> and I feel like that might have ruined the film. <laughs> There'd be a lot more stuttering in his lines. Yeah, no, it would be, <laughs> it would be pretty, it'd be pretty rough. Uh-huh. So we dodged a bullet there. I think we can all agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about um, Hugo Weaving, the man's teeth, and I'm not talking like condition of. I'm talking yeah. about the physical morphology of his front teeth, size and positioning, like that kind of stuff. They're human molars that someone has installed into his incisor position and every single time like once you see it you cannot unsee it every single time he grits his teeth towards the end of the movie they're 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 not they're not normal chiclets man no they get progressively bigger too i mean when he explodes yeah at the end we had a session over at your house when when i was living there where we watched the matrix and you said you have to check this out I i didn't know what you're talking about you go to the end where he's exploding. Uh-huh. I think that's the scene, right? I, I did a couple. There's like three there prime scenes of- where if you frame by frame it, it's just like – I, I think I played you that game. You get to a point where like you're, you go, okay, his teeth are absurdly huge. Yeah. like, And then you go a few frames more yeah. and it's like those are the biggest teeth I've ever seen. Right. A few frames more. They can't possibly get any bigger. Yeah, and then two minutes later, you're still going frame by yeah. frame. Yeah. And they've encompassed the entire screen. <laughs> And your and your you can mind park is a Buick in the gap between the 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 two of them. It's incredible. It is Truly. interesting because I that was a game I played. It's like you tell me like every time <laughs> I do a frame, tell me when you think it's going to cut. Uh-huh. And you guys were both. It was like you, me, and Peter. You're both like, no, there's no fucking. This is it. This is it. And yeah, you'd keep on going. Yeah, pretty amazing. Maybe we should do a cut, like a uh, like a, a a dental cut of the Matrix, just to have like ten seconds of <laughs> dental cut. <laughs> yeah maybe so secret sink your teeth into it um so let's talk about the one of the reasons why i think this movie really holds up and that they made i mean i think they were going for this intentionally cyberpunk aesthetic oh yeah and they were pulling in like you know dial-up phones and like fucking jacob's ladders and theremins and like all the old classic stuff 
in the middle of state of the art cell phone and when i say state of the art it's amazing how f- yeah. the art has moved on 15 years but state of the, the art computer workstations phone. and you know nokia <laughs> phones and all that stuff it, it it kind of like is a world that's in t- eternally 1999 but the future tech is very old school rotary phone type stuff that makes it seem like it's still advanced which is really cool yeah. because whenever they show tech in the matrix you you always like what is what am I actually seeing? I'm not actually seeing this technology in the sense that this is soldered together by somebody. I'm I'm seeing yeah. the physical residual self image of whatever hocus pocus m- m- program they're using. Just like uh-huh. when when Agent Smith busts out the belly button worm, is that thing really a horrific scorpion creature or is that a little transistor tracking device? Is it both? Yeah. Well, it's the juxtaposition of like this 1950s tech with this twenty one ninety nine, I think, or he says it's closer to twenty one ninety nine. With yeah, with this when you super see the far future tech, and right? The like EMPs and yeah, and all the the robotics and stuff. I mean, all this HR Geiger esque, yeah, type, it, really horrifying imagery. Um, like oh, I, the I body like, horror in this movie, yeah, with all the hoses and the <laughs> belly like. And we'll me- get there. We'll get there. I'm just talking about like the the disparity between like the old school stuff and the really really new school stuff. Um, like far future stuff, but then I think also, that's what makes it work. But you're right; there's a middle ground where you're kind of stuck in the late '90s. Yeah, and that's inside the Matrix. But it's, I also like that even the Human Resistance they had that blend of like amazing hover type technology and EMPs. But then they've yeah. got beat up dentist chairs with dirty reusable brain needles. Like like they're just they're just yeah. keeping that shit alive, and they've cobbled together shit to interface with the new stuff. And it, it sure. just works. It really that feels really right works. though, because even like when you go to Star Wars, that's what Star Wars does too, right? Like yeah. they take all of this old, dirty feeling tech, and even if it's like far future stuff that we can't possibly imagine yet, uh, it's it still feels used, and it feels like it's cobbled together in a lot of ways with, yeah. with the rebellion and stuff. And I feel like they do the same thing here, and it works. Another thing I really think and it's timeless. That, that sets you in the mood is they do a lot of interesting transitions with like surveillance where you'll see uh, a scene framed in like a uh, one of those mirrors that's set in the corner so you can see both and then it'll flip and you'll actually see that that's where the camera's at. Mm-hmm. Or you're looking at a surveillance monitor until you zoom in, you can actually see the individual you know, like the pixels scan lines and, and the yeah. scan lines and then it moves one step forward and now it's back in the cinema mode. There's a lot of stuff that I think they did, you know, the wire messed around with some of that stuff too, but I think this show did it even better. And, and there's a lot of yeah. things that you pick up in the commentaries, which I highly recommend. All the commentaries are super informative for this, but you know, they do a lot of suggesting the matrix by the hue everything's green and like yeah. the window washer guy the way that water was streaking down is very similar to the waterfall of code that is the matrix encrypted huh. and there's a lot of like really cool touches where even subconsciously they're putting these tiny details to make you feel uncomfortable when you're inside the matrix mm-hmm. and it's it's very inhuman and very devoid of like any kind of color or passion in life yeah no as it should be um i'm i'm a big fan of you know, just all all of the the transitions and the effects they use in this film, uh, most of them are seamless. There are a few that aren't. Like if you look at some of the stuff where Neo hits the street when he fails the first yeah. jump, 
that looks a little cheesy and weird. And, and if you um, want to hear like a perfectionist, listen to the technical commentary because the visual effects guy essentially hates fully half of the visual effects in this movie. Okay. Like he's like, uh, this Agent Smith <laughs> being absorbed by Neo and exploding is amateur hack job. I'm embarrassed professionally. Yeah. Like he calls out like a lot of stuff that I thought was really good, but I, I I've felt like that with every website I've ever built. Yeah, like the day after it's published, you're like that shit. And the vis- I'll never do anything the, that the bad again. The <laughs> sheer amount of visual effects and practical effects, the fact yeah. that two or three misfire, but then you look at the lobby scene where you think of like all the digital yeah. compositing, the squibs, the stunt work. Everything had to go on. The nightmare that set must have been the reset, <laughs> like in between takes. Uh-huh. It's amazing how well it all works and is just it is. beautiful. And the fact that they were inventing most of this stuff at the yeah. time. You know, that, that 360 camera view yeah. wasn't a thing. Yeah. It had never been done. And we've seen crazy camera angles and we've seen wire kung fu and we've seen yeah. st- awesome stunt work. But combining them all together very seamlessly yeah. is... It, pretty pretty incredible. I don't feel like you could have really made the the Matrix feel like the Matrix without it, honestly. Yeah. Like, if I'm supposed to believe these people have some supernatural abilities within this this construct, I need to see it, you know? And yeah. the physical representation of them running up walls yes. and spinning around in midair and dodging bullets, you need those things to really sell the world. And they lose a little bit. I think that's another reason that other movies never worked is because it the the first matrix felt like a soup like a really realistic like if you had superheroes in real life how would they behave and it gave a perfect in universe for how they were able to bend the physical laws but not break them and they kind of lose a little uh-huh. bit of that with neo you know once he starts flying around like superman it's like okay they do i'm like he's nothing can touch him at this point right yeah yeah, and they they do a good job of still somehow scaling up to threats, but it's just uh, not as ground. You know, it's like okay, well, if he can do this, then why is he doing this in this particular? Why is he still? We've seen him stop bullets and effortlessly block an agent with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. So why is he engaging in this? Why is he engaging in fisticuffs with people? Yeah, coming out of this movie, I was like. I don't know what they're going to do in the sequels because he seems to be all powerful now. And I was yeah. thinking, oh, they're going to have to take it all outside the Matrix, right? Yeah. Like the battle is no longer inside the Matrix. He has won that. Now the battle comes to, you know, the Squiddies and uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. But, you know, they kind of combine that with an in-universe, in-Matrix yeah. battle. You know, in a way that wasn't terrible, I guess. Yeah. You know, th- this idea that there's a source to to all of the code, to the machine, I thought was kind of cool. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of philosophical stuff that I'm sure we want to get into. I have a bunch of just questions that I want. That these are some okay. some of these questions are old questions, and some of them are ones I came up with on this. I, I how many times do you think we've seen this? More than ten, less than twenty, more than ten, Probably. less than thirty. Yeah, somewhere in there in that range. Like, Definitely more than 10. not as much as The Godfather, but nipping on its heels. Yeah. Um, not as much as Star Wars. Not as much as Star Wars for sure. Um, so here's a couple questions, and stop me wherever you want to talk about. Um, how does residual self-image work? Okay. I like this question. Um, so are you talking about like from the time you're a baby? Yeah. Like like you're a baby, you're shoved into a pod, boom, you've got to have a residual self-image. Yes. How does that develop? And you've never, now I'm, I know the machines know what you look like just from a genetic basis and also Mm -hmm. what you look like in your pod. Are they feeding that to you somehow? Like when you look Could in be. the mirror, are you seeing a humanized version of the 
of the thing in the pod. Is the residual self-image only applicable to people who have been in the Matrix and pulled out? And when they go back in, it's a residual image? I imagine, that for like, everyone? if you were to take Tank and Dozen, I know they're un- a- a- incapable of doing this, but I imagine if you would install brain ports into Tank and Dozer and you plugged them into Matrix, they would still remember what they look like, and they would in- yeah, visualize yeah. that. Uh-huh. But I, that's one thing I was like... It's interesting because it's not just the hair, it's the hairstyle and like everything, the fact that they don't remember that they have holes. Um, I wonder if you spend enough time in the real world, if eventually you start jacking in with the holes. It's interesting because like we have a lot of questions revolving around how these information dumps happen to like changing the the topology of the brain in real time like that would be extraordinarily painful probably although i don't your brain doesn't have pain yeah like what does it feel like to have a thousand hours worth of martial arts experience hard written to your brain yeah we know that your brain must change in physical form in order to store those images i know when i've when i've studied something for a very long time in a very intense focus my brain hurts like i imagine this is feeling like eating like uh, uh, eating ice cream getting ice cream headache times a thousand but also kind of addictive <laughs> too, like but uh-huh. but not just from a physical. Is standpoint. it addictive from the results, or is it di- addictive from the process? Well, I'm 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 talking about like not only the physical sensation of this actually happening, but the psychic awareness of yeah. like you just became your you just became larger. Like you, yeah, kn- it's interesting because what does that say about like muscle memory? Like if if you're if you truly know kung fu, that doesn't mean your body's going to be able to do that shit, right? Like if I but in the if matrix I know, if does. I know how to jump up and do the splits yes yes in the matrix it definitely does but yeah in real life you could go through the forms but you are not strong or fast enough to actually make it I imagine you can get your ass kicked if you if you yeah. kind of like in Superman two and Superman gets depowered and, uh-huh. and he goes to a bar fight and he gets his ass handed to him because he's used to being yeah, Superman he doesn't know how to dodge a punch because he's never had to right uh yeah I mean I don't know. It, you would still be able to know how to fly helicopters and stuff. Sure. That wouldn't be a problem. But it seems like there's some physical change that happens to the brain that necessarily, right? It'd have to. It'd have to. Yeah. Even if it's just storing a program that you can access to then know Kung Fu inside the Matrix. And I was also wondering, like, what is the raw read-write in terms of, like, kilobits or Speed? megabits or gigabits to the brain? The bandwidth? Like like how yeah, how fast can you physically write neurons? That's Good kind question. of like it seems like extremely fast. If you're the one, you could probably write them really fast. I mean, he he says like he's a machine, right? Yeah, he's he's just absorbing this stuff faster than anybody I've ever seen. Which is interesting from a for, serious forward perspective. Sure. Um, what about humans as a power source? That was the one thing that always bugged me that. We are not a very efficient source of heat. And, and I, I heard sure. that in an early draft of the Matrix that the machines ran on fusion, mm-hmm. but they actually kept us around as an enormous battery backup. Like we stored a kind of energy okay. that they could, like if their fusion device failed and they had to restart it, that they could harness our energy to get that spark going again. And the that that confused, I guess, people, and so the only the only hint of that survives is Morpheus's line. This combined with a form of fusion, and they had all yeah. the power they need. But yeah, like the human body does not generate more energy by far than it takes in. Of course not. No. And like, there's no fucking way you can liquefy enough people. Like, you'd have to liquefy yeah. ten to one. Yeah. 
it's so, diminishing returns. It's yeah, it's useless. Yeah, uh, except as you know, a backup store. I could totally see that. But I'll say that that didn't occur to me the first three, four, five times I watched the film. Yeah, because the the horror of humans being grown as crops and used as a as a as a, <laughs> as a co- that's an effective scene. Like yeah, to turn man. a human being into this, and he holds up a copper top. Which is the slur that they call humans still plugged in? Sure. I I mean, just the image of him waking up in that pod, yeah, is truly horrific. Yeah, uh, and the scale in of so it, many ways when he looks down and sees how many pods. Yeah, and and you know that that's not the extent of it, right? What he's seeing is only a small fraction of what's actually out there, and and you see the farms, you see the people being grown, as he says. Uh, that's horrifying imagery, I think, for anybody. And it was the first time I'd seen anything like that as well. So it really affected me. Um, I have a question for you. Shoot. So you know that in the Matrix, if you take a severe beating, your mind, quote unquote, makes it real. Yeah. Right? I have some problems with this. I suspect you do. Okay. So my first viewing of this in the theaters, I was thinking, okay, so I saw Neo get beat up by an agent. Punched in the chest a bunch. He spits up blood. He physically, his his real body in the real world spits up blood. Uh, tough for me to imagine that your mind makes that real, first of all. Yeah. Then you go to the scene where he is shot many, many times, and he's not spitting up blood. Uh-huh. His mind is effectively not making those gunshots real. And if they were to make those gunshots real, a kiss from from Trinity, no matter how deep or well-placed is not going to bring him back if, right. his, if his mind created six, seven gunshots in his chest. All right. I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario in which this makes any kind of logical sense. It is a movie hack. So I've got a head gannon about this. Okay. Because you're right. <laughs> Drop it on me. Like, the I brain know. literally cannot make gunshots real. There's no human mechanism it to, It can make like, pain real. I buy make, that. Yeah, the pain. And, like... And, and I, also bl- I also I also I buy that if your brain if your consciousness is uploaded into a system and that is disconnected that you would yeah. you'd be brain dead. Uh-huh. So I, I don't have a problem with that. So my interpretation is if you get punched really hard that your body can reflexively like snap its teeth shut or so cause some kind of strain that like you you're essentially biting your tongue or your cheek or your lip. Like or break your ribs with your your abdominal muscles, or your or... yeah, you're like you're you're tensing up, and you, you can cause minor trauma to okay. where it would cause you to spit up blood, but you can't literally die from. Now, if you think mm. if your if your mind thinks it's dying in the Matrix, then I could see it causing some kind of physical shock, and you actually die. I don't have a problem with again brain death equals real yes, death. I'm with you. Although I think it's I actually kind of. It's. I think it's more. I think it's better the way they do it in Inception, where when you get killed, you just pop out of that. Like that seems like that you would you would be more inclined to wake up from the dream than to like, oh my god, time to shut down the body. But yeah, whatever. But that's it, you know, stream of consciousness is interrupted. You can kind of buy it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like they sold the technology just enough that yeah. that that I buy that. But that's that's what I think is that you can you can like grit your 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 you can make a fist so tight that your nails bite into your. Your palm, and you can bleed there. You can struggle against your resist, your, your restraints. You can bite your tongue, or you can cause some kind of internal. But I don't feel like that line. Your mind makes it real. Reflects that state yeah, of, of but, harm to but, your body. You but know? I guess I can buy it as a simplification for someone that you're. You know, you're trying to say 
if you die in the Matrix, it's no shit problem, and he's got blood on his mouth, and you just say that rather than, well, here's what can actually happen to you, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it were me, I'd be like, how did my mind make me bleed? Please tell me that. But, you know, it's a movie, and and ultimately I let it go, and I, I said, okay, I'm going to have to not try to make this 100% consistent across the board. But, I, I mean, I, I kind of like your explanation. It makes sense. I guess you can't create gunshots, and therefore your body wouldn't react the same right. way. So it's 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 I can there the extent of damage I saw them actually taking the chair is consistent with what you could probably do to yourself left to your own devices. Potentially, yeah. Uh, would cipher would cipher have turned on the resistance if Neo had made the jump? I mm. I've never thought about this, but this time I was watching, I had the clear impression that I think he might have stayed loyal. That he was waiting to see, like he's he's been d- increasingly disgruntled with Morpheus as almost like a cult leader. Yeah, and he was thinking about betraying him, and then Morpheus actually fucking found the one, and he's like, and this "All was the right, final chance. all right, I maybe I'll believe this because look at these nerves, just neural kinetics, and all that stuff." But then when he missed the jump. There was a real sadness and resignation and in his his performance that I think is intended to say that he might have stayed true blue if he'd have made that jump. You could be right. Um, I, I think the scene with the stake where he's sitting with Agent Smith uh, negotiating his replacement in the Matrix happens after that. It does. Yeah. So that would seem reasonable. So... I'm glad you brought that up. It's interesting. Because I wonder about. I don't see how Cipher actually made that scene happen. It doesn't seem like you can jack yourself into the Matrix without an operator, and uh, certainly are not able to unjack yourself. Yes, you cannot get out of there. Certainly. <laughs> so that seems like the one in 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 dozens of watching that is the one plot hole that I can't really figure out. Like it doesn't seem like it should be physically or metaphysically possible for Cypher to have that meeting with Agent Smith. Yeah, and I would say, like, oh, maybe he snuck off and did something else, but you've got Tank there watching the fucking thing the whole time. Yeah. He can see what's going on in the Matrix on those screens. I mean, clearly there's room, wiggle room on there because Cypher did, in fact, get off onto his own. Mm-hmm. And they, they played it like that where he was freelancing on a mission, but the way they set it up where they made it very clear he was up to no good, he was all alone, Neo yeah. kind of sort of busted him, and he drank the engine degreaser, and then he left, and the next scene is him giving the steak speech. He did that all by himself, and I don't see how he could do that. Is there – so I'm making I, huge concessions here. Is there any way that the Matrix the, – the program of the Matrix can unjack you uh, – by itself like voluntarily release yeah, the signal yeah i get I, yeah that's actually i mean not that's a, a bad huge idea. stretch and they never hint at it so like like a fit like like but it makes us like difference. we're gonna let it's, you out of the matrix it's a difference gonna... in shutting your computer off and, and yeah. restart and like safely shutting it down exactly uh so I, w- I wonder if maybe you can go there and say could that be, could be but then you're also saying that he physically jacked that needle into himself which seems like it'd be a tough a rough thing to do yeah but yeah, no, I guess I guess I could see the matrix. But this is all voluntary. Head cannon, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like none of this is on the screen, so that's a problem. But I'll also say that it was a hell of a lot of watches before I started thinking about these things. So there again, it's it's this is not a one view, like what the fuck kind of situation. The other interesting thing about Cipher to me is whether or not he's visited the Oracle, and if he, he has, had to have. what did she, she, she what did she tell him? What did she tell him? 
because she seems to be the orchestrator of all of this. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and she is. She proves to be later on, right? You're right. Like she's she's the program running the whole thing. But if she told him that you're j- literally Judas, uh huh, or or told him that Morpheus has found the wrong one, the Morpheus, she could yeah. set up the situation where he betrays Neo, betrays Morpheus, uh, gets because it's hard to believe giving the 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 access codes to Zion would would like how. How she could tell, because because I feel like if if that was the case, and I I actually think you're right. I mean, obviously he did meet the the oracle, and she did tell him something. I wonder if there, whatever she told him, had to be something beyond you're going to be evil. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be something. She needs to send him down the path. I mean, it's what Morpheus says about yeah. it. There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. But right? the way he it was very villainous. The way that decided to manifest itself. It wasn't a resigned. Yes. I have to do this to save humanity. It what was... if she told him there is no one? Hmm. I mean, what does that do to his confidence in both Morpheus and this whole idea of the rebellion? I'll tell you one question he might that, go back that keeps me awake at night is why did why did Cypher think that Agent Smith and the machines would honor their agreement? As <laughs> soon as he gives the Morpheus, he just gets flushed down of yeah. biological refuse. Re- and what what would he know about it? Like, yeah. Like he wouldn't even realize it. Yeah. Like why would they plug him back in the Matrix? He's already got whatever is the internal tick that makes you want to question it. So why plug him back in? And that, the but way guess, that Agent Smith portrays that, the way Hugo Weaving portrayed that, is like his bemusement at, oh yeah, oh an actor, whatever you want, just you know, sure. he's like whatever yeah. meatbag, like which is a funny line on the face of it. I want to be someone important, like an like actor, an, act- yeah, 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 an yeah. actor saying that's pretty funny. Joey Pants, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, but you're, you're right. There's no incentive for them to follow through with that. But in the end, does Cipher care? Does it does it matter? Because he just wants out of what he's in. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe like, okay, if they put me back in, great. If they liquefy me and feed me to some other humans, yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna know. So that leads me to my, my next question: Why is the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar such a bunch of fucking stoics? Why are they so damn Spartan? They have. Mm the the greatest holodeck of all time at their like like i get that you <laughs> have to eat right. snot uh-huh. but instead of eating snot just to e- inject like you know a feeding tube and go into the matrix and pretend that you're go into your construct uh-huh. and pretend that you're having a steak dinner have mouse gin up you why is there the stigma <laughs> about fucking beautiful women in the construct like why don't they live like virtual kings on their off time why do they have to sit and 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 go through the discard pile (laughs) of the goodwill clothed donation and like i'm with you man maybe cypher's not so unhappy if they fucking can cut loose like is there a social stigma about jacking in if so what the fuck yeah i want to be jacked in i feel like there's a little bit of that that bleeds over from like star trek you know like you can't you can't, without any kind of consequence, go into the holodeck and have a crazy sex romp with the your crewmates, right? Like there are scenes that are really fucking weird like that in Star okay, Trek. Okay, I get and it. they always your have like negative consequences. But, but yes. Mouse just ginned up this blonde woman from his imagination. That's what I mean. Like I wonder if there's some kind of stigma there as regards any any fake human being in this scenario. I don't know why there would be. I can't imagine a 
and, and, okay, for let's that, let's let's cut sure. down on Mouse's sexcapades, and let's just okay. let's let's boil it You're down right. to having a steak meal. Utilitarian that ain't hurting stuff. nobody, and it improves your quality of life drastically. You're right. You're 100 percent right. Why eats not? Yeah, <laughs> I really don't get it. Like a little bit of fucking shore leave Morpheus, and maybe Cipher's not. Yeah, surprise asshole at the end. <laughs> That's a really good question. Keep S- keep your crew happy speaking of metaphysical and cyberpunk uh delights and pleasures what if you got a blowjob in the matrix Mm -hmm. while simultaneously getting a blowjob in the desert of the real oh man would that increase the enjoyment like just from a mental kind of you know knowing knowing that your real peen is getting getting serviced while your e-peen is would that oh i see would just okay. just even if you couldn't feel any of the the mixed pleasures yeah like if someone i'm assuming if someone slaps you in the real world you don't feel it but just the the, the oh, kink I bet, of it tr- trust me that's a kink too like all right i'm gonna go in the matrix and i'm gonna have sex with uh a seven-armed dragon beast uh-huh. and i want you to be slapping me in the face at my real body the whole time <laughs> Guaranteed. i want to see slap marks yes i want to get out of here and see physical damage i won't be able to get off as hard next time if i don't wake up with this with with pink slap marks on my I, face guaranteed all right guaranteed people are doing that uh you're right <laughs> so that- yeah i imagine that's probably like the double blowjob <laughs> thing probably is a thing what does it mean um so when the Oracle tells him that he's not the one, I'm here, sorry, kiddo. Here we go. I love this. Okay. What does that mean? I think the Oracle has created a, a fucking pretzel of a plot here that all interleaves in a way that is super satisfying and is not noticeable on first watch. On first watch, you think, okay, so there's some interesting stuff with the vase and that she tells him he's not the one, but it goes so much deeper than that. Yeah, if you still, would you, the what's things, really going to bend your noodle is when you, th- when you ask yourself, would you still have broken if I hadn't said anything? And that's where the key is because of the things that she tells Morpheus and the things that she tells Trinity all wrap back into his plot, which create the one, right? She effectively creates the one by telling him all these things that come together to show Neo his true potential. Yeah. And, like, that's that's the thing. Like, she tells Morpheus, uh, you're going to find the one. So Morpheus is so dedicated, and he believes it, and he tells Neo that. Yeah. And then when she tells Neo, you are not the one, and Morpheus is in danger of dying, the only guy who can find the one, uh-huh. he's like, I got to go in there and save him. Yeah. It's the only choice I have. And then she has also told Trinity that the one is going to be the one that you love. Uh-huh. And that forces her, when Neo sacrifices himself, to bring him back. It's... It's perfect. Yeah. I and think there, there's like a triangle plays, there. That, it plays straight, too. It does, yeah. I mean, if you buy into the concept that she knows more than the average const, the average person in the construct. Which she then, would. Like, I feel like that she essentially knows everything that goes on yeah. in the Matrix. I mean, at least get from that, the human standpoint. You get that from, like, number two and three right yeah yeah like like the architect is the brains behind everything but she is like the one that is responsible for overseeing all the human consciousness and making sure that stuff stays in the air and doesn't seg fault and lose entire crops like that's her job Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's severely disappointing when you find out that she's part of the the matrix and not part of the rebellion well, but I don't know that you can say that. Okay. Because she could right, be steering. Yeah. One argument is that she's working within the system to eventually steer an iteration towards this, yeah. a genuine peace between. Because that's sure. the other trip. Like, 
I really love a lot of the stuff that was in the the Matrix, um, like anime. What was that called? The Animatrix. Yep. The Animatrix. Um, you know, the, especially the the fall of humanity. I forget what that. It's a two part thing, but they actually do a really great job of showing uh, people as the aggressors against the artificial intelligence. Yeah, and that. You know, AI, sure, they made it, maybe they've gone too far, they've gone through an a overreaction, but we put them through a whole face full of shit. Uh-huh. We provoked them. Yeah, they, they were our we servants. We acted like we lunatics. We treated them like shit. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, we didn't think that they were sentient. You know? I mean, there's a lot of things that go with the gun, and a lot of social commentary that's oh, yeah. not even in the Matrix. It's This is just something that the Animatrix added to it, but... Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting that you could have a machine construct that is kind of like the Gandhi inside the 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 shell is that they are trying to work for a genuine peace hmm. uh-huh. between equals rather than a, a a one up one down that they've that's locked us in a cycle of conflict. Yeah, I mean that feels like you know a not quite inevitable equilibrium, but mm-hmm. you know something that would be tolerable to all yeah. involved i mean i think it's super interesting like i said I'm, i don't want to talk too much about two and three just because the podcast will be forever and also i selfishly yeah. are hoping that people would want to hear us talk about two and three <laughs> all right my commission such a podcast but i think it's really interesting the scene and in, in the last one where smith uh absorbs the oracle Mm-hmm. the reaction and and the the chain reaction yeah I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that don't ultimately hang together with the oracle's role but in the first movie yeah no complaints in the first movie yeah no i mean this this movie i, I have zero complaints with this movie honestly i mean aside from like a couple of small like questions yeah that maybe aren't even relevant but they're fun they're like i like a movie that that has me talking that way i ask you this another one it seems like you could win any argument in Zion by saying the words, the Oracle told me this would happen. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Oracle told me that like, we Trinity's were going to get down Trinity's tired tonight. of your shit. You have, uh-huh. you have failed to take out the garbage for a solid month or and or you have forgot her birthday or you, you just whatever shitbag thing you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's walking out the door and you get this stunned look in your face. The Oracle told me this would happen. <laughs> like... You know, yeah. uh, I, I I need you to give me $200. You know how fast people would resent that, though? <laughs> like, the fourth time somebody pulls that shit, they're, they're like, yeah, well, fuck the Oracle. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> I, I guess, but, like, that's – it seems like there's a lot of currency to be had in, you know, essentially – yeah. Especially since the rules of the Oracle are – don't tell me what the Oracle told you because it's just for you. Except for I'm going to tell you what the Oracle told me because yeah, why not? come on, Morpheus. You're breaking the fucking rules. Jesus, get it together, man. Uh, the guy who's the leader of this rebellion? Come on, man. The other thing I th- wanted to talk about is uh, how this movie just doesn't stop. Yes. Like th- – From the very first scene. Like I think even the slow talky parts are extremely interesting, mm-hmm. but – there's usually a fist fight punctuating it or some really interesting visuals. Yeah. Like when Morpheus and Neo are sitting on the chairs opposite each other and he's explaining what the matrix is Yeah, and you're zooming into fucking TVs and hellscapes and it's amazing. Yeah. Like, like, you know, Morpheus is coming out of the walls and fighting agent Smith. It's like, what is going to be cooler than that? And then the Uh lobby scene and what is going to be cooler than that? And then 
the subway scene the subway scene and, and then, then the tower scene and like it just never stops to the very end of the fucking movie yeah and it, it always seems to be one upping i mean by the end you've got people literally jumping out of helicopters explosions behind them like like the movie starts off so small and yeah. so mundane and then builds mm-hmm. to this yeah it doesn't ever never for a minute feels ridiculous it's uh, not you. to me yeah yeah it's incredible uh, I, I don't know what happened to the Wachowskis because uh, I've, I've enjoyed some of the stuff they've know. done since then. Like I, I've heard Sensate is really good on, on Netflix or it's, I'm hearing decent things about that. Yeah. It's uneven, but the concept is good. And I could say the same thing about cloud Atlas. That was a really high concept, very interesting work that just didn't quite hold together. And then like Jupiter ascending is a miserable mess um, <laughs> and cost hundreds of million dollars to make uh, speed racer, was speed one racer, did, which, which I get it's a passion project, but I feel I, like that was a mistake right after the matrix. Well, also I don't understand why they, like if I was going to remake Star Trek The Next Generation, I I can't imagine doing the Speed Racer the movie version of that. What do you mean? I just I it's such a slap it it's it's both a it, it's very slavish in its its treatment of the source material and also kind of sloppy and inaccurate. Huh. Weird. In the in the I never execution, saw it and I don't know the original cartoon. Like so. I don't know why you just don't make why why the fixation of making a live action. Like make it make an animate make a more gritty adult version of the animated thing. But yeah, I don't know. I I I freaking hated that, and they've had a lot more misses than hits of late. And I wonder was this is this a case where they essentially cuz even Cloud Atlas is an adapted work it's not their own original story that's i feel like that's the thing but i did they just have the one thing in them and they had like all this fucking mountain dew and marijuana and martial arts and anime shit yeah. and cyberpunk shit that they've been grooving on for all their formative years and they had this one singular work of genius and then anything else they've had to, they've tried to come up on their own just feels very derivative and stale and poorly thought out. It seems like it to me. I mean, the the controversy when the Matrix came out was that it was you know heavily inspired. I mean, but that's almost, such a bullshit almost right argument. out of this book. I, but but then you you go to the other two movies and you say, okay, well these aren't nearly as good. Yes, they're they're visually just as cool. Um, so from that perspective, it's it's really good, but the story just kind of, uh, you know, goes on a downhill ramp. Yeah. Um, when they actually kind of falls off a cliff yeah, when yeah. they had to break away from the source material. So I think that might be it. I think they might just be incredible stylists yeah. with with their cinematography and, and the way they put things on screen. But I don't know that they have those, those ideas quite under wrap. Hmm. I wonder how you fix that. Do you, Somehow, do you put them with fantastic writers, I think. But they, I mean, surely they've had scripts that they can option and do that stuff, but they choose to either adapt their own material or, you know, go with their own. I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, they, they definitely are going for these kind of fantastical stories, right? Which is fine. I, I like yeah. me some fantastical um, stories. But, like, yeah, I, I just want to make sure that the Jupiter Ascending was written by them. It is written by... Uh, uh Andy and Lana and but it's just it's really bad. Huh. And 
I, I haven't seen it yet. You know, it feels like they kind of try. Maybe they were aiming to do that with like all the stuff that they like. Hey, we like this thing out of the black hole, and we like this out of Star Wars, and we like this out of Star Trek, and we like this out of Blade Runner. And they try to do that cultural stew, yeah, with some kind of well-worn. Well, I don't want to tell you too much because it's going to be the. It's, <laughs> this is going to be the next silent movie, but yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel like that. Yeah, they they had a. Um, a very singular vision about the first one for stuff that they really cared deeply about, and it just happened to be a home run, but certainly haven't been able to recapture that since. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I think I'm done. Okay. I think I'm done. I mean, there, you know, there have been written many, many words about the Matrix, uh, its philosophies, what it means. Um, so, okay, one more thing. I mean, it does think we have not talked about any of the philosophy. That's what I, I feel like. Go that's right now. everybody like. There's fucking hour long material on the DVDs about the philosophy, and sure. I'm not that smart about it. The the one line that really stuck with me from this movie was when Morpheus says, "You know, you you cannot be shown what the Matrix is. You have to be told, or you cannot be told what the Matrix is. You have to be shown." I think that is true. 100% completely true. If I were to come up to you and, and you know, people talk about this in the real world all the time. Like, oh, what if we are just, you know, living in this, this secondary world that's like a dream or a nightmare and we can't wake up from it. My son just out of the blue asked me that last week. How do we know that we're not asleep or dreaming? Exactly. And it led yeah. to this like really interesting half hour conversation with an eight year old about all right, let's let's go down that rabbit hole, son. But that's the thing. Like, let's let's suppose for a second that we are. Okay. I come to you and I tell you that. Uh-huh. You're going to laugh in my face. I mean, you'll consider it. You'll say, oh, that's an interesting idea. I tell, I tell you, no, 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 it's true. It's 100% true. I've been outside of it. You, you go, okay, whatever, dude. I don't know whatever. that I laugh in your face, but my response is, what do I do with this information? Your response is, A, a that's useless to me unless you can prove it. And B... I don't believe it because it's so far fetched. Uh-huh. You, I, I really truly believe that, that is a universal reaction. That, okay. That until you are outside of a thing, you cannot get any perspective on it, and therefore you can't even conceive that that's true. So, being shown what the matrix is really is, in my opinion, the only way to convey to someone that this is a reality. Okay. Where are you going with this? I mean, that's the thing. That is. I I love that statement for how true it is and how how you you may be able to say well is that really true but I think no the the natural human reaction is my reality is my reality and the reality uh until you're proven otherwise Well until I think what's what's really else. awesome about Matrix as a modern day myth is like unlike leprechauns where it's like you 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 can't go to the end of the rainbow and and find that there is no pot of gold, but you can explain from a meteorological and and physics of light situation why there is no such thing as the end of a rainbow, and yeah. and thus that legend is wrong and leprechauns aren't real, and also we haven't seen the leprechauns. Sure, what's brilliant about the Matrix is you can't prove that we are not in the Matrix. So sure, but that's it, why I say it's useless to think about until someone can. But that's the thing, like it's tantalizing to think that someone could come onto your computer, a stranger, this connection and, and convince you with not like seeing the matrix. Like that's the final step, but get you to at least follow by pulling details out of your life that they shouldn't be able to know and predicting the future. And, and I feel like that that's the interesting thing is like 
this answers the question is like, okay, yeah, I'm a brain that's stuck in a jar. Now what? It gives you the now what? Like, it kind of goes back to our debate about Russ's Cole's, Russ Cole's philosophy in True Detective, like, you know, how bleak that is. This is the same mm-hmm. philosophy in The Matrix, except for it's not bleak because there's a way out. You sure. can actually fight and resist against it. And I think that's what is kind of interesting. And, you know, it's, it's essentially Plato's cave only with definitive proof and a way to escape it. Yeah, I've, I don't know. The the thing I don't like about the the ideas in True Detective is the resignation to to that, to some horrible fate. But that's what I'm saying. If you, like, let's say someone could convince you, and I don't know what yeah, the evidence would look like. You. Like, like I'm going to convince you that you are in the Matrix. I'm going to show you videotape of your body in a thing. And that is my body, and I am in that thing. But you, that I, you're aware of it, but you can do nothing about it now. That is, okay, I don't but know I'm saying, what you like, would you, do. You doubt it until it becomes your reality, is what I'm saying. Like, okay, you can you can gin up a tape that shows me in a pod. Not hard, right? Yeah. You can come to me and you can tell me I've been outside it. You can you can say all these things that you shouldn't otherwise be able to know that don't necessarily point to an alternate reality outside of this one. Maybe you've done some research I don't know about. Maybe you've just figured things out i like that that's what i mean like getting to the core of it until you're shown that there is in fact another reality i don't think it's something that you can truly believe or understand i think the core issue with that statement is that you are not open to the conception of how credulous people are like you yourself are Perhaps. not a credulous person and you find it hard to put yourself into the mindset of someone who's credulous because there are a lot of people out there that do not require the kind of burdens of proof. And like I think the average person, maybe that is a much more compelling or frightening or interesting premise mm-hmm. because okay. they could see them being – you know, fuck, people believe, like, I, there's people listening to this podcast right now, even though we're super skeptics, they, they believe in ghosts. And there's nothing we can say to talk them out of the fact that we they believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope it's I hope it's fun. It's a funny and wry observation to them. But, like, in a world where people believe in ghosts, in a post-Scooby-Doo world, I guarantee there's people that would believe in the Matrix without too much in the way of pharmacology okay. or maybe convincing. you're right maybe you're right and maybe, maybe there's and the, and the number of people that would be susceptible to that argument is probably higher than you want to believe you could be right in, in my mind i'm thinking you know extraordinary claim requires extraordinary evidence and therefore the only evidence that's going to suffice is for me to experience it myself the other difference is but you're probably right there are a lot of people out there who would require far less yeah. copious amount of of data. I think the other thing is that I'm more willing to entertain just as a purely intellectual exercise um all realities like that. Oh man, I entertained like, the shit out of it after this movie, trust me. But but I'm saying it's like but I'm like in, a, in almost like I don't believe in it, but I don't disbelieve in it either. It's like a more agnostic thing. But that's why I come back to like what of what use is it to me? Well, that's what I'm saying, like it you doesn't know? affect how I live my life. And it shouldn't. I mean that's why I'm like I like I believe in Russ Cole's philosophy, but I don't like that. To me, it's liberating that like there is no intrinsic value. It's whatever you want to make it. Yeah, that's and, where I come from too. And but I don't it, I, I don't begrudge a man. I don't begrudge people like Cipher and Russ 
their delusions about what will happen if they live their life a certain way because they've gone through a lot of pain and misery that I don't understand. Sure, sure. But yeah, I think people are more credulous than you think, and also people <laughs> are more open to alternative things than dealing with a really unpleasant reality. Okay. For me, anyway, that line struck home because that is basically a truism for myself. I don't think you would ever be able to convince me outside of actually showing me the Matrix. sweet shot when he offered a red and blue pill too. Oh man, the way that's composited and like especially the way that it continues to go through, like when Neo, the way it's it's set, it looks like Neo and in the image that's reflecting the blue pill does not take it. You got to set this up though because they have no idea what we're talking okay, about. Okay, so I this think. this is the scene where Morpheus holds out both hands and it's reflected in his glasses. Yes. you can see the one hand in one lens holding the red pill and one. Uh, Lynn's, uh, he's holding the other. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Neo reaches out with the hand that's closest to the red pill to take it. Uh-huh. But it looks like in the other reflection, since you can't see that hand, it's almost like a Schrodinger's Neo situation. <laughs> where simultaneously he is taking and not taking. And there's so many, like, like I mean, we're, like, we're not even scraping the surface about all the philosophical stuff in the movie. because. Sure, yeah. There's that, there's like the Plato's cave thing, there's concept mm-hmm. of deja vu, and I also yeah. like how they... I love their explanation. In they the, neatly there. explain a lot of what we would call like more or less unsolvable uh, uh, like paranormal an- things. Anomalous Like when someone events. says, I believe in ghosts because I felt a ghost and yeah. I heard it speak. Well, what the fuck are you going to say about that, scientist man? Yeah. The Matrix neatly explains, and I think that that's really cool about, like, in the second one, they go in to be, like, even some of our more interesting monster-type beliefs come from fucking weird shit in the Matrix. Yeah, and I especially like the deja vu thing, because it's something that everyone, I think, has experienced, But it's very hard, like, you can have someone explain why deja vu happens, but when you feel it, it is a very eerie sensation. Like, Like, you know, there's, like, I just had a debate with a friend about this, you know, when you turn on the radio... And you're thinking about the song that comes on the radio as you turn it on. That is not you tuned into the fucking EM frequency no. field. Count count the times you do that and it doesn't come on. But you no one does. No one does. No one does. It's and that's, confirmation bias. That's the whole reason yeah. that is a bias. But when when you have that sensation, it's such a weird goose pimply sensation yeah. that it's hard to say. Like you know, that's just swamp gas reflected off venus sure it's dust dust flying through the air exactly exactly so i get it i get it yeah no i i like how it at least touches on that subject too i think that then does exhaust my my thoughts on the first matrix yeah we've we've talked about in pretty extensive detail uh love it if you haven't seen it you should see it yeah i'm interested in what people think who haven't seen it and now 16 years later going back and saying uh you know, people who are not teenagers, A, and have never thought about this stuff, and B, are not uh, contemporaries with when the film came out. Yeah. It, it's got to be a different experience than me seeing it the day it comes out at 17. Oh, sure. Um, and I'm curious what that's like. Yeah, I I agree. Do you think that we should go back and record a spoiler? I feel like we should go back and record a spoiler warning for this. I don't feel that way about a lot of them. But, like, this is, like, you know... It's just so hard for me to imagine that someone hasn't seen this movie. But you're right. You're right. There are a lot of 17-year-olds out there right now. Kind of like the Sixth Sense. Like, uh, I don't know. It's 15 years old. Fuck it. 
But I mean, there were a lot of people born in the year this came out that are now like the age I was when I saw it. I get it, but like, and just have never really even heard of it. I can't like. There's a there's a certain point where you gotta you if if you're watching if you're listening to a podcast, it's recorded on a 15 year old movie. You gotta assume that it's gonna be spoilers. I, I and like I understand so, yeah. that the payload of this particular spoiler package is a lot more destructive <laughs> than any old random movie we've done before. But yeah. still, like, yeah. And I also think that not a lot of people are going to sit and watch The Matrix. Like, this might intrigue them enough, if you haven't, to go back and, and watch it. But, like, if your preconception Matrix is such that, you know, it's like we say, hey, if you ever want to watch this movie and enjoy it, don't fucking listen to this podcast. Go watch it now. Like, I don't think that's going to overcome the 15 years of, ah, whatever. You know? You're probably right. Like, okay, let's say we were covering Citizen Kane. Do you put a spoiler warning because we're going to talk about the ending of that movie? That's no, a 50-plus-year-old no. movie. No. So... Like, is the difference between 50-plus years and 17-plus years really... No, I think that, like, I, that I like where we live, where it's, like, the last two seasons and are about that many years of, of movie watching. Yeah. And, like, again, I might I might be tempted to give some things uh, a little bit more leeway. Like, you know, something along the lines of The Matrix or, um, you know, I guess The Usual Suspects or something like that. Like, if something came out, I would... It, I'd probably let it go five years, maybe. Okay. Before you start talking about just the the end of it, but yeah, I I think that our two year philosophy is like you're either gonna you're either gonna watch it then or it's not that important to you. You can't sure. legitimately yeah. say I've been meaning to watch that movie and you For guys seventeen just fuck. years. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> on, I'm man. pretty sure you're full of shit. You weren't gonna watch the movie. You might watch yeah. it now, and you're still gonna enjoy it as the fantastic movie it is. You just have the twist spoiled for you. Yeah. I'm with you. Kind of, sort of. I mean, we haven't spoiled everything. No, no, not by a long shot. Uh, so once again, I do want to thank Jefferson for commissioning this podcast. Uh, you know, it's always easy talking about one of your favorite movies of all time. Yes. <laughs> this is like the second time we've done it. I think, you know, we didn't do commissions on them, but at the Godfather podcast we did, we're both super fun, just mm-hmm. purely from enjoyment of the movie aspect. Yeah. Uh, this is another one. Matrix, one of my all-time absolute favorite action movies. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much, Jefferson. Really appreciate it. Yeah, if you'd like to find out how you can commission your own podcast, you can find that that information if you go to baldmove.com slash shop. I'll take you to our uh, shopping uh, area, our merchandise area, and one of the options, it's the one that looks like the big film reel, is your commission podcast, and and uh, find out how you can do that at there. And yeah, this is like one of the most fun parts of the job. We've got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Let me take a peek at the. Uh, and you know what? The heat or the heat the heat, heat wouldn't have been bad either. No, say. no, no, no. That's the thing. Like it I just, felt. Yeah, I don't think it's as meaty, right? Well, plus, like if if you're going to give me the choice, hmm. I'm going to go something that I've been primed and ready to talk about for forever, and I'm just kind of waiting for the excuse. Whereas the heat, like I enjoy the movie, and it's a great movie. And there's a lot to talk about from a De Niro and uh, Pacino, Pacino standpoint. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, I would have to do like, you know, go through and read the reviews and like mm-hmm. look at some critical takes and do all this stuff where the Matrix, like, shit, man, I'm ready to go. Yeah. We kind of gave it a courtesy watch on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know what? It's been maybe five to seven that's years since I've seen it. I had so. at least three new things that I thought about for yeah. the first time on that on that watch. There you go. Yeah, I just want to talk about some, some of the stuff that we got coming up. Uh, 
we've got uh, the 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 next one is the the Star Trek: The Next Generation series finale. All good things. Oh yeah, another one. Talk about another all time favorite. I've I spent a lot of time thinking and talking about. Yeah, for, but and I'm really looking forward to doing that. I think I did a bald move TV on this like a a year or more ago. Did you like a where, solo where I had just watched it and I talked about how great it was. Okay, it, okay. it wasn't solo. It was just like you know I've been watching. I know we talked about it in Blue Yonder this. too. Okay, maybe maybe it was. I'm pretty sure I did a more recent one. Okay. So uh, we'll really get into it. We got V, the miniseries, which was... I'm kind of excited about that. I've seen back in the day and when it was a phenomenon. And uh, I remember as a kid talking into house fans to replicate the sound of the alien's voice. Is that how they did it? On the I don't know, but it's what it sounds. It, okay. It's got that kind of like vibra- vi- vibration effect. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see if that holds up at all. Uh, we got a holy smoke after that, which I have no idea what that's about. Animal Kingdom, same. Cabin in the Woods as a horror movie. Yeah, but, I've seen that. That's good. Uh, then Road Warrior, and Whedon. we just got like two more in the last week that I haven't actually added to the board. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Way of the Gun. Oh, that's 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 a tasty one. I haven't I seen like that. that one. I like hmm. that one a lot. Um, but yeah, uh, we got a lot more coming out and. Feel free to add to our list. We're we're starting to be able to bang these out on a semi regular uh, basis, so I'm hoping to get uh, all dug dug out pretty soon. Yep. All right. Thanks again to Jefferson, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye.
Jesus! 